0: Hello, everyone. We're back and we're with Congressman Louie Gilmert. Um, Congressman, thank you so much for being on. I've watched you from afar and you've done so much for the conservative movement. Uh, you've spoken out and and fought hard for what is right. So I just love your stances uh, throughout the years in Congress. Well, thank
1: you, Christian. It's great to be talking with you uh, by Zoom. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate what you're doing because our hope is in the young people that we neglected for 50 years. We let the Bill heirs, uh, who found those, the radicals, the violent people like that found out they really didn't accomplish anything by violence and they found out the way to, to really succeed is doing things peacefully. So they moved in, got tenure at universities, started misteaching teachers, who would then turn around and teach uh, young <laughs> minds full of mush uh, after the teachers got rid of them. And of course, that's not all teachers. There's some that are still out there, the kind that inspired me uh, through public schools. They loved America. They loved God. They they loved their students. So anyway, we've got a lot of work to do, and the future uh, will be determined by whether or not enough young people are educated, uh, to just the dangers of socialism, uh, of big brother. Uh, and actually you can't say big brother on the floor, even though Orwell talked about it extensively. Uh, you have to say something like big sibling cause you can't say brother, sister, mother, father, son, daughter, you know, those kind of things as the cancel culture in Washington just really takes off. But, uh, Anyway, very sad day, uh, uh, a very sad week. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh will be missed. Yes. He will. Uh, um, he was a friend. Um, he he allowed me to to come sit in in his studio with him and and Bo who's James Golden, and and his staff. And uh, what an amazing man! Then. I, I could email him, and sometimes he'd mention that he got an email from him, and sometimes he would just take off, and, and uh, it, he was just so brilliant, just brilliant. And one of the, I, I think one of the things that made me enjoy him and listen to him as often as I could was when I would be depressed, as I am right now, I'm extremely concerned for our future, he was but he could still have optimism and wit and humor really added immeasurably. Um, I've told him before that uh, when I was a judge and was listening to him back in the 90s, uh, one of the regrets I had in Congress is I don't get to listen to him live like I used to, Uh, but Uh, For Catherine, his wife, and uh, all of his family, all the loved ones, and and his staff, I know that they will be hurting, but uh, hopefully with enough people like you and others cumulatively, uh, we can still make that difference that he did.
0: Yes, uh, you you are spot on. Um, He spoke clarity. Uh, and calm to the issues. Uh, he's a legend that cannot be replaced, and um, revolutionized talk radio. And there's nobody like him. Yeah, uh, may he rest in peace. And- yeah, I mean,
1: AM radio was dying. It was dying, and on he comes, and uh, you know he builds this huge audience. And I know for years they've talked about him having an audience of 20 million, but as I understood it, he was going over 30 million these days. Before, I can remember when um, we were so thrilled that uh, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans won the majority for the first time in decades. And uh, they gave Rush so much of that, they made him an honorary member of that. First freshman prince back then in 94, waking people up. Wow! So he has made a real difference. I'm not, not sure. I think he, uh, he and, and Hannity and, and a handful of others really turned the tide for Donald Trump, uh, in that election in That's 2016. And actually I'll <laughs> submit in 2020. And if I can make one comment about that, Christian, if it's okay, I, I was, yeah. Uh, was just with Cleta Mitchell uh, a few days ago. She was uh, one of the leading attorneys in the country on the voter fraud and and, uh, she, they had filed suit in uh, Georgia. They had 33 categories where they had evidence proving that there had been fraud and that was over 40,000 votes accumulated from those 33 categories, and just eight categories. They had over 27,000, and as I recall, um, Biden was declared winner by around 11,000 votes. So many came from suitcases pulled out from under tables. But that aside, were 40,000 votes, and they were going to be able to make a clear case and show the world that there was absolutely unequivocally fraud. But in other court cases, judges made decisions without ever having an evidentiary hearing where you brought in evidence, you brought in witnesses, you got loud cross-examination, you brought in experts. Uh, They were gonna be able to prove all of this in Georgia and they could not get a judge assigned to their case they drug their feet, apparently the Democrats and some of the, uh, the Trump haters, even in the Republican party, which you know they're in name only, but they must have known that this is gonna blow the lid off the, the line that there was no fraud in the election, because they're gonna be able to prove it all and prove that Georgia was won by Donald Trump and they couldn't get a judge assigned they kept pleading to get a judge assigned. And finally, on J- January 4th, two days before the uh, the electoral votes had to be certified, they finally got a judge assigned, but there was no time for anything, not by pleadings, not by hearing, nothing. Wow. So for people that continue to say, well, that was all debunked in the courts, no, no, it wasn't. They never had a real evidentiary hearing. And uh, like in the case of Georgia, that would have flipped all of those votes, they didn't even get a judge assigned in time to have a hearing or to have anything meaningful done. So that's the kind of thing we're up against. And I knew, you, you know, you and I were talking before we went on about January 6th. Uh, I knew if those electoral votes were certified on January 6th, for Biden, that was it. He would be sworn in on January 20th. And uh, President Trump knew that. And that's why he was encouraging peaceful protests uh, uh, that in in the Capitol to try to bring that point home. Uh, never any violence. He didn't advocate it, I didn't advocate it, but uh, that, uh, that day was gonna be so important. And I followed the lead of uh, people like Jamie Raskin and others who objected previously to the electoral votes and uh, you know for some reason when Democrats do it it's quickly forgotten and by them right so that they can condemn others in complete hypocrisy on on show but um, anyway there I was actually hoping, that there might be a compromise that uh, the vice president could take the position, you know what, I'm going to certify whatever votes a state sent, but there are questions about which electors from these certain states are the right electors. Serious questions have arisen so I am going to recess and give each of those states a chance to have a vote in their legislatures and tell me which are the correct uh, electors. Because by then, as you know, Arizona had had hearings, uh, not judicial hearings, but legislatively, and Georgia had had hearings. And there were Michigan, we found out so much about improprieties there, and Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and Uh, so it would have given them a chance to pull back, have quick hearings to determine was there improprieties that affected the outcome, and then the vice president would have been in perfect position to say, okay, now the states have said who are their true electors, and that's what we're going to honor, so that was kind of a hope uh, I had of uh, filing suit. We had Me as a member of Congress, we had electors from uh, Arizona. So for the courts to say there was no standing is pretty ridiculous. It just points out that uh, they didn't want to take up the issue that was most pressing upon America. Sad times. times.
0: Yes. And Louis, I really appreciate your boldness to continue to say that there was fraud in the 2020 election because for a lot of people, a lot of members of Congress even, they're 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 moving away from saying that because they're afraid of being canceled. And yeah. even Fox News and a lot of other organizations, uh, uh, news organization outlets are, are going along with the mainstream media and saying that uh, these people that are doing this are insurrectionists. Well, and
1: I, I think a lot of them are afraid of being kicked off of the internet or being kicked off the air. Uh, and uh, you know Fox News, after um, Rupert Murdoch's son took over and put Paul Ryan on the board, we saw some dramatic changes in the attitude of Fox News. Became much more anti-Trump, and Trump had noted that himself. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate your courage as well. Uh, but but this is such a serious subject, and. As John said years ago, as Democrats have said, uh, especially about 2016 in refusing to uh, ever legitimize our president being Donald Trump, uh, there is fraud in elections. And John Fine, who wrote a great book about fraud in elections, said uh, basically the biggest fraud about elections is the statement that there is no fraud in elections. So the question each election is, not did fraud affect it, but how much did fraud affect it? And when you have Democrats saying there was no fraud, there was no fraud, you know that can't be honest because there's always fraud in elections. Uh, Some of it going back to uh, the Texan Lyndon Johnson. And uh, I was watching uh, in the 90s election returns and as I recall, Tom Brokaw said to David Brinkley, would you share with uh, the listeners the story that you said Johnson told you guys? And he said, well, you got to understand back before Watergate, the press and the president were good friends. And the president would a lot of times come down and sit in the press room. And one, one night uh, he was down there and I think it was to watch, uh, you know, uh, midterm election results. But he said he had his boots up on somebody's desk and, was drinking a beer and scratching his belly and he said yeah I remember back uh, when my elections uh, my campaign manager and I were out in the cemetery writing down names of people that would be voting the next day and we came to one tombstone and it was so corroded over with moss and stuff you couldn't really even see the name. And my campaign manager said, come on, Lyndon, let's go to the next one. I grabbed him and I said, no, sir, this man has ever ever been as much right to vote as anybody else in this cemetery. And they thought that was hilarious. But for people that know Texas history, there was probably truth in that, down in Duval County. Um, Yeah, so that kind of stuff has gone on. But I'm telling you, Christian, back in 2001, I was to... A district judge in Texas. And when we got the mandate, the unfunded mandate from Congress requiring that every county had to start utilizing um, elect or, or electronic voting, I went, this is nuts. This is going to mean that whoever has the best hacker is going to win. Right. This is crazy. Why would Congress do this? Well, It was Republican controlled Congress and a Republican president uh, bending to the will of the Democrats that were just screaming about the unfairness of the election because uh, some people were allegedly in uh, Florida that could not figure out how to utilize butterfly ballots. Though I remember seeing a fifth grade class was shown them and they didn't have any problems. But because of that, we ended up having electronic voting, which ha- it, it, it is is hooked up to the internet. So many of the machines were, we find out, and it's made them vulnerable to whoever is the best programmer, attacker, but some of them could have been programmed in uh, before they ever got started. Uh, to change results. And we know that in Dallas County, there were uh, a, there was fraud in the 2018 primary and general election, but unfortunately uh, we could not get attention of enough uh, law enforcement personnel and leaders uh, to, to change, to go after those and make sure that kind of thing didn't happen and change the ability to utilize fraud in the elections. So going forward, that is still something we should not be quiet about. These elections have got to be secured. And we're not talking about uh, Russia coming in and spending a little bit of money with social media to try to affect the outcome. For those of us that really understand Russia uh, and Putin, they have one desire and that is to, to divide America. Right. They didn't care so much whether Hillary Clinton won. They knew she'd be a lot weaker and they could, you know, send money to the, uh, the Clinton Foundation. And, and in fact, there's uh, decisions the way they did to get uranium, uh, a sale of U.S. uranium to Russian companies. They right. knew they'd be in great shape if Hillary were president. Uh, but more than anything, they wanted to divide America and the Democrats have helped them immeasurably to divide America from 2016 right up into the present.
0: You're exactly right, Louis. And we've, we've got to secure our elections, uh, stricter voter ID laws. Uh, we have 23 states which have the trifecta Republican governors and uh, a legislature that's Republican as well. So we need to move quickly in places like Georgia, and Arizona especially, uh, we need to secure things here at home in Texas, uh, regarding, um, yes, uh, signature verification and, and and again, voter ID, and, and there's a lot of other ways where we can secure our elections. And one thing you touched on, uh, which is so true, um, is about the constitutionality of of what happened on January 6th, and I love that you, the way that you fleshed that out, because I hear some congressmen um, saying that it was unconstitutional for them to vote any other way, but yes. Well, then why are you having the vote in the first place? Yeah, Yeah. What was unconstitutional was actually what happened in all of these states that circumvented their own election laws went around uh, the legislatures that are supposed to be making the laws and governors and secretaries of state through executive order created law. That's right, and Christian, One
1: of our members um, made a great point, you know, to those who say, well, you don't have any choice. You have to uh, recognize those electoral votes. Uh, You don't have any chance to even question them. Uh, Well, if you take that attitude, then where the constitution says the Senate will advise and consent on nominations of the president, it means that the senators could never vote down anybody. They can only advise and then consent. They have no right to object. Well, that's ludicrous. The right to consent means you also obviously have the right not to consent. Uh, So anyway, they uh, don't see the hypocrisy of saying, you know, gee, you, you, can't uh, re- vote against confirmation, but you can't vote against consenting. So anyway, and especially the Democrats that had been just fine with Democrats objecting in the past to electors, they all of a sudden got all um, uh, righteously indignant and you know
0: started casting stones, even though they lived in a glass house. Yes, sir. I I couldn't agree more. And um, I want to touch on one more thing. We're almost out of time. Um, We're obviously in a once in a a lifetime freeze here in Texas. And all this talk of green energy and the power grids that we're not invested in properly. um, Windmills just and solar panels don't cut it when there's a freeze like this, when the turbines are frozen shut.
1: Well, and for solar, there is the problem of something called night. And with wind, you know, of course, there are times of wind, there are times when there are problems. And uh, we, you know, we didn't have these statewide rolling blackouts before. We, we were the state with all of the energy. We had our grids. We, were all, we're, we could make fun of California. And now we've become California and I was shocked to find out that the chairman and vice chairman of ERCOT, you know, that's supposed to be overseeing and making sure that it, our energy is reliable, uh, the chairman and vice chair are not even from Texas. Texas has our own grid, and yet they elected a board chair and vice chair not from Texas. Now, that is ridiculous. And I know here in East Texas, we have. A couple of power plants that have closed down. I think there are others that are supposed to be closed down that utilize cl- uh, coal. They had scrubbers. They were making sure that the air was being clean. Um, and, and so it, it was an invaluable source of energy. And then natural gas, uh, all of the natural gas that was online continued to work fine as I understand it. The problem was that they had put so much of our natural gas uh, into in use, they were not using it rather, that uh, those, the valves froze up and they couldn't get the gas flowing. Well, if they had had it flowing in the first place, it wouldn't have been a problem, but they closed off natural gas an incredibly clean source of of, uh, energy and, and so incredibly valuable that when I first got to Congress, we had people making speeches that we ought to prevent any natural gas from ever being used to generate energy because it was an invaluable feedstock for things like plastic. So many of the things we use have to have natural gas utilized in the production. And then just a matter of years later, we have hundreds of years of natural gas that we've found. There's more out there. It is so clean. And in fact, we would do the world a favor if we were shipping that natural gas to other places in the world like India and China so that they could clean up the air that they keep sending to us. So it's just outrageous for Texas to have had these kind of outages and there's really not a decent excuse. I know we're sending letters and making inquiries and whatnot, but the truth is uh, people need to be held accountable for this and uh, ERCOT is only one place to start. But the, and by the way, you know, when we talk about wind energy and solar energy, since it is not always there for us, then you double the production costs because you have to have two separate transmission lines from the uh, solar, from the wind. But since that's not reliable, you still have to have produ- the, the transmission lines from, from natural gas or coal facilities or nuclear facilities. So you double the number of transmission lines and whatever damage that may do. Uh, so it's, it's really ridiculous when we have such wonderful clean energy that we can use right here in Texas. I know, um, well, Churchill is said to have been quoted or is quoted as having said uh, in World War II, the allies floated to victory on a pool of East Texas oil. Well, now more of our oil in Texas comes from Midland Odessa out in West Texas Uh, But now in East Texas, it's the number one producer in the state of natural gas. And we have so much that uh, we're not even drilling for because of the glut. So there's no excuse for us to run out of energy in Texas other than just close mindedness
0: of people in charge. You're exactly right. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that something like this never happens again. Uh, finally, uh, what would you tell young people that want to get involved in the political process and maybe run for office one day? Obviously, you've won your fair share of elections as district judge and 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 later as congressman. Uh, so, what do you tell young people about running for office and doing it right? Well, I didn't plan
1: on being in Congress someday, and I didn't really plan or dream of being a judge. But uh, when it ended up we needed somebody who would be fair and follow the law and I couldn't find anybody else that would run in 1992 then Kathy and I prayed about it and we came to the conclusion this we had a piece about it this is our lot in life and without planned politically it turned out that through my church, through the things that, the people that we had helped politically, through Rotary, through all the the, uh, organizations I was part of, uh, all of those things come into play. The more groups you're part of, the more uh, active you are in your community, uh, and especially getting involved in young Republicans, uh, young conservatives, uh, getting involved in Republican organization, letting people see you and get to know you, when you decide this is something I really feel I'm supposed to do, then all of those friends, all the people you have helped, all the groups that you've been a part of, they become your network. And then they all get people to help and they get people to help. And they can firsthand talk about, oh, they know you, they worked with you and this or that. And that this will be a great person for this job that becomes a stepping stone, the better you do where you are, uh, the more things open up ahead of you.
0: That's so good. And I know there's a lot of young people that can take that to the bank. Well, um, I'm going to look forward to hopefully seeing you sometime uh, soon, maybe this summer. And um, we'll uh, look forward to connecting then. Congressman, thank you for your stand and your fight for the conservative movement. Uh, You've done so much and uh, keep up the great work, my friend.
1: Well, thank you, and, and thanks for earlier calling me Louie, as I've asked you to do. So thanks so much, Christian.
0: Well, I really appreciate you, my friend. Have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you.